Good morning. Good to be with you on this Father's Day Sunday. Amen. The songs today, as usual, I mean by the power of the Holy Spirit, really tie into the message. You see the title of our message is Welcome to the Battlefield. I'm also amazed that the Holy Spirit is because a lot of times when we get to Father's Day or some special occasion, I always think of doing a topical teaching, and God always confirms to me, no, just stay to the text. And this text is perfect for Father's Day. Welcome to the battlefield. Does that sound like a guy kind of topic? Right? It's a guy topic. Welcome to the battlefield. So we'll be talking about that today. Um, Just a little review from last week. If you open your bulletins, I've kind of summarized some key points for you. Um, it's written down there for you. If you open them up, just follow along with me. We, we talked last week, Romans 7, verses 7 through 13, which we talked about the blessings of the law. You remember that? The blessings of the law. And in the bulletin, it says here that um, the, the, the blessings we talked about is the law reveals our sin, the law reveals the depth of our sin, the law breaks the sinner, the law leads one to salvation. Do you see that? So the, the law reveals our sin. Remember, we, we looked at Paul sharing this incredible truth that I'm just going to summarize without looking at the notes here, but even though he had kept all the external laws, he was blameless. When, when Jesus got a hold of him, when he got encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, you remember what happened, is the law came into him and revealed to him, yeah, you've been living according to all these external laws, but you, your heart's not right. And what was the, what was the sin that, that Paul confessed at that point? His coveting. Remember, he saw a covetous heart. He saw that he was full of pride. He, w- he was full of self-righteousness. And, and see, he, he thought he was serving God as he was persecuting the church. He thought he was a, 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 one that was saved and because he was keeping all these rules. But re- the reality is when the Word gets a hold of us, do we not see our own sinfulness? And, and, and then the second point was what? What does it say there? That it, that it breaks the sinner? No, I'm sorry, it reveals the depth of our sin. And isn't it amazing, as the Word comes into us and we get saved, we see that we're sinners, it keeps driving deeper and we realize it's, we're a lot worse off than we thought. Amen? As the Word comes into us, we continue to see that, wow, there's a lot of junk in here. There's a lot of sin in here. There's a lot of pride. There's a lot of self-righteousness living within my heart. And then the third point we talked about is, for those that are saved, what happens next? In your, in your hand out there. It does what? Come on, church. Breaks the sinner. Breaks the sinner. There's a level of brokenness that comes to us, right? We see our sinfulness. We see that we're spiritually dead, even though some of us thought we were saved. I was a good Lutheran boy. Thought I was going to heaven. Thought I was living a pretty good... I was confirmed, my goodness. I had the medallion and everything, you know? I thought, <laughs> you know... So, I mean, I, even for, the, for some that like that, right? We think we're going to heaven. Some of you were raised Catholic, I know. You know, we thought we had it, you know, we were doing okay. And we could always compare ourselves to others and find someone a lot worse than we were, right? But the reality is, as the, sin, as the Word of God comes into us by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are broken. And we see that we're truly spiritually dead and eternally damned. I pray that's happened to each one of you. And then, of course, the next, the really good news is then the law leads to salvation. We find out that the law is holy, the law is righteous, the law is good. It's used to reveal our sin. It's used to reveal the depth of our sin. It's used to break us. And praise God, it leads us into, from spiritual death into spiritual life. So that was the message from last week. All right, if you would open your Bibles to 
Romans chapter 7, verse 14 is what we'll pick up and turn to page 1 of your journals. <laughs> and uh, we're going to work our way from, four, from verse 14 through 25. And Richard's going to open the word for us. If you'd please stand in reverence for God's word. Just a couple of comments here as we get into this, uh, the battlefield. This is the battlefield of life for any believer. That's what we're going to be talking about today. But I mean, I love the order of Scripture. As you saw, really, uh, last week, 7, 6 through 13 was really how is one saved through the Word of God. And now what we're really talking about is how is one sanctified through the Word of God. Now, I've got to also set this up a little bit. I mean, this text has caused a lot of difficulty in the church since its history. And um, I'm not going to talk about Arminian and, and Calvinistic uh, doctrinal differences this week, but we will talk about them, because when we get to chapter 8, we're going to have to talk about them a little bit. But really, I mean, one of the groups that really fought this text would be the Arminian uh, theology believers, because they, had, they would claim that Paul's talking about an unreconciled, an unsaved Paul in this text, that he was not a believer. That's why this big battle was going on. Because uh, they would say that someone that has a battle with sin is not truly saved. Because you're delivered from that. And of course, if you know the Arminian uh, theology, they also believe one can lose their salvation as they re-embrace in, in sinful patterns in their life. Um, and I'm going to prove to you that that's not the case. Paul is absolutely a converted believer in this text, and I'll show you why as we go through it. It's important you know that. But I would say a bigger challenge, because I don't think too many people in our culture really want to talk a lot about Arminian and Calvinistic theologies, but the, the, I think a bigger challenge that I hear, especially in our church culture here in the Oasis family, is a lot of people use this text to justify their own sinfulness. Okay, you know what I hear quoted a lot as I'm talking to, to brothers and sisters is, hey, well, what about Paul? You know, I know I'm sinning, but, you know, Paul had this same battle. And uh, I'm going to show you that that's really... Uh, the wrong view of the text also. This isn't justifying sin. And I'm going to show you really where Paul's battle was through the text and some supportive text to show you that's not what was going on with Paul. Does that make sense? Anybody hear someone use this to kind of defend their own sinfulness? Yeah, amen. Amen, yeah. So we're going to see that's not, that's not really the purpose of this text. What the purpose is is to reveal the battle of our lives. And we'll see that. So let's start off with the first verse here, verse 14. So it says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. You see that? So here we clearly see again that the battlefield's being defined. Now I'll also show you that who is he talking to here? For we know, who do you think he's talking to? Believers, right? He's talking to believers here. For we know that the law is spiritual. Now as, as followers of Jesus Christ, as born again believers, we know that the law is spiritual, Amen. We know that the law is supernatural. We know the law is living. We know the law is sharper than two-edged sword. Right? Do we know that? We know that the law is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. We know the law is holy, just, and good. And for those that are saved, the law reveals God's desires for His children. It reveals our sinfulness. And all this is true about the law because it is of God. But let me ask you this, does an unbeliever realize that about the law? 
Did you realize that before you were saved, that this is, the law was supernatural, that it was spiritual? No, I mean, if you talk to unsaved people, as I was one, I thought the Bible was extremely boring. I thought it wasn't relevant anymore. It was hard for me to read. I said, this is a historical document that no longer applies to my life or culture. Did you guys, any of you think that? See, that's how we know we're talking about believers here because he's saying, for those that believe, the law is spiritual, it's supernatural, it's alive. We love the Word of God. But an unbeliever doesn't have that. Now here's, so that's one side, that's one side of the battlefield. This is the, the law is supernatural, and we'll talk about the Spirit living within us, and, and, and next week we'll get into Romans 8, which is going to be incredible tools on how to live this out, but right now the battlefield is being defined. So we have the spiritual reality of the Word of God, the law of God, the Word of God. And then look at the other side of the battlefield, but I am of the flesh. Do you see that? Sold under sin. Now, what is the definition for flesh? It's not our bodies. Your bodies are neutral. Your bodies will submit to the leading of the Spirit or, or they'll submit to that inner sinful nature that lives within you. Your bodies are not sinful in themselves. That's not the flesh he's talking about. He's talking about the way I picture it is when, when our kids would go out and play in the mud, we'd give them a bath and we'd empty the bathtub and there's that dirty ring left around the tub. Well, after you were saved, there's a dirty ring left around the tub and that's the unredeemed part of us, that sinful nature that still dwells within every believer. That's, do you, are you, is anybody amening on that? Do you, do, you, do you realize you still got that old man living inside of you? It's a crazy thing, but that, that's the way God designed it. We'll talk about maybe, I'm going to tell you some of the reasons I think He designed us this way, to, to continue to battle until we're glorified. So, hear this too. So that's the battle. We've got the law that's righteous and good, and we've got this unredeemed part of us, that sinful nature that lives within us, and they're the battles between those two within us, right? Yeah, that's the battle. And I've got to tell you this right now, that can continue until you're glorified. So, persevere, be patient. I'll give you some tools today, but I'm going to tell you that for as long as I've been walking, and we've got a Thrasher and Jim, we've got people walking with Christ for a long time, we're going to be fighting those battles. I'm going to show you how they change over time, or they should be changing, but the reality is we, we never are released from that battle until we're glorified. I'll tell you some good parts of that, though. Not, not necessarily that it's all bad. So that's the battlefield. Look up here for a second. This, I mean, this verse captures the battlefield so well. Galatians 5.17. See if this resonates with your soul. It says, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Does that clearly kind of define this battlefield? Now, let me ask you this too, just as a verification. We're talking about believers here. That's why we know Paul is a believer. But do unbelievers have this battle raging within them? No, unbelievers do not have that battle raging within them. Because before Christ, what? We, we were spiritually dead. We, we did what we thought was right. That bat, see, if you're questioning whether you're a believer or not, and you've got this battle raging in you, you're a believer. Because unbelievers don't have... I mean. You probably wouldn't be here to begin with on a Sunday morning, but the reality is, is that, that that battle, you know, I did what I wanted to do, and I didn't have this battle raging. Yeah, you know what? Sometimes I felt 
guilty because of the worldly consequences for my choices. You know what I'm talking about? A different type of guilt. But there was no battle going on within me. Well, this is what God wants me to do, but I'm going to do this. That doesn't happen within an unbeliever. So we know it's believers that, that have this battle. Now let me give you one more clarifying point and then we'll continue in the text, which I think the rest of it's pretty straightforward. But 1 John 1, 8 through 10 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And I only share this with you to, to uh, really to encourage you that, that, um, that we do all sin, and that is, that is part of the battlefield of our life, is, is that uh, we are all sinners. Amen. Thank you, brother. Okay, let's, let's go on. Look, look uh, at 15 through 17, because now he begins to illustrate this battle that's going on within him, and, and uh, I'm sure within everyone here, I pray. He says, look at this, verse 15 says, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Is that true for you? Is that true in your life? Do you have that battle? Amen. It's amazing. And I love what he says, I don't understand this battle. I mean, in my heart and mind, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I don't do what I'm supposed to do. Has anybody run into that? It's, it's, it's kind of an insanity, isn't it? You know, it's like, oh, I, but I know this, but I'm going to do this anyway. Right? Is it that Okay, I'm not alone there. This, that's the battle going on. And I, you know what? There's many, many times I get home and I say, why in the world did I say that? Or why was I thinking that? Right? And, and I, I, I've been walking with God long enough. I'm not saying I don't, but it's not so much the doing for me. It might be my words and my thoughts more in my life than anything else. But I, I just know that this is not God-honoring thought. And, and maybe, you know, maybe I lose my temper and I say something I shouldn't have said. And I go back and say, Lord, I know better than that. Right? That's what he's talking about. You know that battle in our lives? Maybe it's your thoughts, too. Thinking, thinking ill of people. Holding unforgiveness in your heart against someone. Yeah, that's the, that's the battle he's talking about here. Now he says here in verse 16, he says, Now if I do, this is good news here, look at this. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. Again, an absolute proof that he's a believer. Do you see that? Paul was saved at this time because for if I, he's saying if I do... Now, if I do what I do not want, see, he wouldn't have that dilemma going on if he didn't agree with the law. Do you understand that? So he's going, that's why, there's a, that's why there's a battle, because he sees what the law says, and he knows he shouldn't do it, and he's doing it, and that's why he knows the law is good and right. That's proof of a believer. Does that make sense? I'm seeing some... Okay, brother. So that's what he's saying there. Uh, and again, for, for us that before we became Christ... Uh, the word had no impact as far as what was right and wrong to us. Not that we didn't have a conscience, but it wasn't driving our lives. And then verse 70, so, so now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. The sin that dwells within me. So there's the battlefield. Do you see it? Can you see the battlefield? Does that rage in your own life? Okay. 
So let's go on. He gives some more clarity in the next few verses here, 18 through verse 20. For he says here, I know that nothing good dwells in me. And, and some people say, see, he's not a believer, but he qualifies it. He said, that is in my flesh, in the unredeemed part of me, nothing good dwells in me. For I have the desire to do what is right, but the, not the ability to carry it out. See, in Paul's life, I mean, you can picture this, is Paul, Paul's life is he, he wanted to do the 100% of God's will for his life. 100%. We'll be talking about that. But see, here's the, here's the continuum. I want you to see the continuum of a believer. Let's say you just came to Christ. I want, I want to show you what this battle may look like for you if you're a new believer. You first come to Christ, and I know some of you have been dealing with, with besetting sins, sin patterns in your life. I'm trying to break free from alcohol or drugs or whatever it is. And so that's early on in your faith, and you surrender your life to Christ. Now, for many of us that first came to Christ, God delivered us from some of those. And you've, I've heard the testimony from a number. You said, no, I have no desire to drink anymore. I have no desire to, to, to look at pornography. Whatever it is, you, you were freed at the moment of salvation, right? But some of you are in those battles still, trying to quit smoking or, or whatever these battles are in your life, right? But there's another continuum on the other end where it's more of trying to do what God wants you to do. I, I, want, to be, I want to love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I can tell you, many days I, I fail in that. I want to love my neighbor as myself. You know what? Many days I fail in that. Can you see the other end of this continuum as you continue to walk with Christ? I want to share the gospel with the lost world. And you know, I've been given many opportunities on airplanes and things like that. And you know what? In my selfishness, you know, and I make all kinds of, you know, I'm tired, I need a little time alone and blah, blah, blah. But the reality is I don't do it. See, that's the other continuum. And I want to tell you, people like to say, well, look at Paul. He sins, you know. Well, he wasn't hanging out in the bars. Okay? He, he, wasn't, he wasn't having trouble with fornicating. He was at the far end of this extreme. He was trying to live the righteous life. He was trying to be in God's will all the time. Do you see the difference? And because of that, he failed God because he didn't live fully. He missed, I'm sure he missed opportunities to share the gospel with somebody. I'm sure sometimes he got emotional, and we see that with Brother Mark, right, where he lost his temper with Mark and Barnabas in the book of Acts. And, and, and so he had those little bouts, but I'm telling you, it, don't, you know, people say, well, you know, what about Paul? Okay, let me say this. You want to compare yourself to Paul? Okay, you, okay you're going to talk about how he, he did what he didn't do. And did. Well, how many churches have you planted? How many times have you been beaten for the sake of the gospel? How many times have you been, that's what you say to a brother, says, what about Paul? Okay, let's talk about Paul. How many times have you been stoned for the sake of, how many times have you been in prison for the sake of the gospel? Are you looking forward to being beheaded for the sake of the gospel? If you want to talk about Paul, let's talk about Paul. But I'm telling you that his struggle here isn't necessarily the sinful patterns that may be in your life or my life because he's way over here at this end of the extreme. Right? Read the book of Acts. What kind of man of God was he? So don't bring him down to our level. Try to bring yourself up to his level as far as sinfulness. Are you with me? So, that's the continuum, and I'm just telling you, that's, that is the life journey. That's the life battle. Wherever we start, it doesn't matter. You may be fighting some of those early battles. Praise God. But keep fighting, keep going, keep winning those battles, and eventually you'll be all the way over here at the other end where Paul was, fighting, like, fighting those kind of battles. Doesn't that sound exciting? You can all be there. You can all be fighting those battles. You can be sharing the gospel with the lost. You can memorize Scripture. You can know the, the Bible better and better every day of your life. 
Isn't that amazing? And you can slowly and slowly be more transformed to the image of Jesus. All of you can. That's what this battle is here. So when he says to me, I mean the way I interpret it based on the, the word of God through studying his life through the book of Acts and his other letters, it says, it says, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. I'm telling you, I really believe from Scripture it's way over on the, on the, on the far end of sanctification. And he says here in verse 90, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. There's the battle. He's really repeating 16 and 17 there, the, the, the battle of his, of his heart. Okay. Everybody doing all right? Stay with me here. It's going to get better and better. Stay with me. Don't check out. Don't start thinking of your Father's Day feast or anything. Just stay here. We've got a great feast today, by the way. We've got corned beef and uh, buffalo wings. and oh, It's going to be a great feast. Now, now I got you thinking about that, right? <laughs> so stay with me here. Okay, brother. It's good to have you back in the house of God, brother. Yeah, it really is. Praise God. I appreciate the forgiveness and reconciliation, you three. We got that right, Anthony? All right, praise God. Praise God. It's a good, good, uh, good living example. All right, let's go to the next part here, uh, the last section here. 21 through, through 25. It says here, for I, I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close in hand. Let me just, I mean, I, this should amen you here. I just want to show you, this is part of the battlefield now. Listen to this. Is when we want to do right, what's close at hand? Evil. Okay, now here, here it is in your own life, and this is why it's an important battle you need to realize. Let's say you've got a new commitment that you want to get up an extra hour early and spend time with God. So you know what? I really need to spend time with God in the morning. I'm telling you right now, evil's waiting right there to destroy your plans. You know, I'm telling you what will happen is that, so you know, this is, I'm really committed to getting up an hour early. I guess what? That night will probably be a sleepless night. Right? You're going to, you know, you're going to, and you're not going to wake up. And then that, guess what? The next night, because you didn't sleep that night, you're going to go to bed and you're going to say, you know, I'm not going to get up early tomorrow morning because I'm tired from the last night where I didn't sleep when I was supposed to get up early and be with God. And so, you know what? I'm, I'm going to become a prayer warrior. I'm going to start praying more with my spouse. And, and you know what? I'm telling you, evil comes in in those things. It tries to destroy any of those plans you have for living the righteous life. Have you seen that in your own life? You know, I need to really commit to coming to Bible study on Wednesday night. Things start happening where you can't get to Bible study on Wednesday night. Have you seen that? That's what he's talking about. Evil's right there whenever we want to try to do good. And I'm telling you, that the more God has called me to live for him, the battles have just grown in severity in my life. But here's the good news, and we'll get into chapter 8. The power of the Holy Spirit, the one that lives within you, is greater than the one that lives outside. And, and let me tell you, I can tell you a testimony of testimony. Be, be a prayer warrior first. Say, Listen, God, I really want to get up early and be with you. And start fighting that battle in prayer before you ever start doing it physically by getting with God. You've got to win it first in the spiritual front. I really want to be with you. I want to get up early. Pray hard. And believe me, I can tell you, in our, our marriage, in our situation, God will provide a way for you to be with Him and do those things that He desires you to do. Does that make sense? But that's what it's talking about there. So don't be surprised. See, I, here's the thing. I want to manage your expectation. When, you're, when God's calling you to do something good, expect some resistance because it's going to be there. It's going to be there. 
So he says, so I, what I find to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. And he says, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Boy, is that a beautiful picture of the spiritual battle. So let me kind of illustrate this to you. Um, so let, let's, you know, we're born again believers. We're fighting this battle. We're starting to get up early. We're being in the Word. We're becoming prayer warriors, right? And, and, and we delight in the living Word of God. God opens our minds to the Word. It's no longer foolishness. Our hearts are open. We fall in love with the Word of God. We embrace this intimate relationship with God. Are you with me on this? Everybody this sound like you, I hope. So you're, you're growing in this love relationship with God and Word and prayer. And, you know, I'm not talking about legalism. I'm talking about a love relationship with Jesus. And, and, uh, and we come to meet Jesus, and we, we experience the power of the Holy Spirit living within us, right? Sound good? Sounds good, right? We put on the full armor of God every morning, and then we get up, and we go out into the world, right? So we go out into the world. I'm, I'm painting the picture of the text here. And what do we come into? We come into a world full of sin, full of temptations, full of unsaved people. Satan and demons are flying all over the place. We're still walking around with that dirty ring in the bathtub, our unredeemed uh, sinful nature. You see this battle? So all that we go out, we got the full armor of God, and all of a sudden, boom, we come out in the world, and all this stuff's going on, right? And what are the three enemies? The three enemies, of course, are the world itself, because Satan is the prince of the year. He's using the world to deceive us and tempt us. It is Satan and the demons themselves is the second enemy. And the third is the, the enemy that lives within, that, that sinful nature that still lives within us. And it's all coming at us to try to, to tempt us into, into sinful behavior. Does that sound true? Now, look what he says here, though. I want to show you that the battlefield is where? The battlefield's in the mind. See, you've got to remember this. The battlefield starts in the mind. That's what he says there. I'm going to give you a, a nice, simple, innocent illustration, okay? Donuts. Can we talk about donuts for a couple minutes? Harner's donuts, not just donuts. I know if you're not around here, you guys don't know Harner's. I mean, that's the devil's bakery over there, I think. But, <laughs> but let's, you know, let's just say you've made a commitment. You know, and I'm talking about not a diet. I'm talking about a, a, a decision that you want to use your body as a temple for God. It's a, it's a decision you want your body to be healthier so that you can be a better witness for Jesus. You, you with me on that? I'm not talking about a 60-day diet to lose weight. I'm talking about a righteous-type focus on the body. So you're in that, and you get to wherever you're going, and someone walks in with a giant box of fresh-baked Harner's Donuts. Are you with me on this? And you know, come on, if you, you know, and you, they open that box, and right? That smell, the chocolate, the lard, I don't know if you smell the lard, but the sugar, you smell all this good stuff and you see all the frosting on there, right? What's going on? There's a battle going on in your mind, right? Do you see it? You got the smells, the sights, and then your friends are walking around, they got chocolate on the sides of their faces, they're loving their donuts, and you got to have one of these, right? So that, and that's, an example of the battle, right, that's going on. Now, we could paint all kinds of other sinful behaviors that may be more destructive, but that is what it looks like for the believer. And we either give in, which I have, 
And here's the other thing. In my mind, I'm going, okay, now if I have this donut, I'm going to have a sugar high. You know, I'll be all joyful and happy for a few minutes, right, while the sugar kicks in. But then I also know, because I'm not stupid, that then I come down below that sugar level, right? Right? And now I'm worse than I started the day off. Now what, else, now what can I do at that point? What? I could have another donut. Thank you, Ann, Mary. I, the only option right there, I could start co- drinking a lot of coffee to try to compensate for this low, or I go have another donut. And then I'm battling the donut sugar high all day long. And I know that in my mind. So that I, as I reason it out, then I can say I'm not going to have the donut. Sometimes. Now, is it any different with alcohol? Come on, I've talked to some of you, brother. You're chasing that high. You get a drink, you get a little buzz going, and then all of a sudden, you know what? You've got to drink more and more and more, just like the donuts, and you're trying to chase that high to keep that self elevated at that buzz level. And it's with all the sins. All sins are progressive. It can be something as simple as a donut and something as destructive as heroin. But I'm just saying that that is the pattern. That is the battlefield. See, so in your mind, you need to, you need to battle that out, keep each thought captive to Christ, pray without ceasing, call on the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within you, and, and then you're going to need to take some action too, like get away from the donuts. You know, for, for guys here, we encourage them to leave their hometowns and come live in the discipleship center. Don't go back to your hometown. That's going back to the Harner Bakery right there. So you've you got you to take action too. But that is how we fight the battle. It's in the mind, and we know what we need to do. We know where we can't go. We know who we can't be friends with anymore. All those things come into this battle. Amen? It's a, it's a, that is, that's it. That's what he's talking about here. Now, look what he says next. I can't tell you how many times I've said this. Wretched man that I am. Wretched man that I am. Have you been there? As you're fighting these battles, and you know what? I'm just going to stick with my donut illustration. I've sat at my desk at my office, and I've had, I'm on donut three going, what a wretched man I am. I fell into the donut trap one more time. And I'm crabby and I'm irritable and I'm trying to caffeinate to get my work done. But I'm just saying, I don't care what your sin is, you get to the place where you lose those battles and you say, what a wretched man I am. Right? Who will deliver me from this body of death? Have you cried that out yourselves? And look at this good news, verse 25. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is the solution. See, you've got to realize that, yeah, we're in this battle, but the victory has been won. Jesus lived the perfect life, died the perfect death, and rose in perfect glory. He did that so that all that believe can be empowered over death and over sin. That's, that's the battle that was won on the cross. So here's the, here it is, brothers. So listen to this. We don't have any excuses. See, we, we, we can live the victorious life because the power and the victory has been won by Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm not saying we're going to backslide, but I'm just telling you that overall, it's not God's problem. It's our problem. He doesn't have a dimmer switch where he's only giving you part of the power. God's on or off. You're saved or lost. You're dead or alive. It's all it is. So if you're alive in Christ Jesus, you have all the power you need to live the victorious life for Jesus Christ. 
Okay, now stay with me. I got another. Everybody, I got one more thing I want to show you here. Just encourage you in this battle. I want to. I showed these texts before, but I just want to show you the progression in Paul's life. Uh, this is 1 Corinthians fifteen nine. Paul wrote this about fifty five A D. And look how he defines himself. Do you see this? What does he say here? He says, "For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God." You see that? Now watch this. Five years later, here's how Paul defines himself. Ephesians 3.8 To me, though I am the very least of what? All the saints. So he just said, you know, I'm not going to compare myself to the apostles anymore. I'm bringing it down a notch. I'm going to say I'm the least of all the saints. Who's the saints? Any born-again believer. We're all saints. You don't need to go through the, any other process but being born again. Look at what he says about, well, almost five years later. 1 Timothy 1.15 he says the saying is trustworthy, trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Do you see? I'm the least of the apostles five years later. I'm the least of the saints five years later. I'm the chief of sinners. Do you see that? That's the progression of a believer, of a mature believer, as we begin to realize how bad things really are. Now, let me give you some, I think, journal-worthy truth here. Uh, just, this is the last, last point I want to make with you, but I want you to see this. It's such a picture of the battle to me. Philippians three twelve through 14. It says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So let me give you just five takeaways from this text. A mature follower of Jesus. Five more? Good? Delia, we're all right? So here's the first one. A mature follower of Jesus Christ is humble with the deep realization that we will be in this battle all of our life. Okay? Now let me tell you why I think, you know, I, I don't know why the Scripture tells us, but, you know, I think part of the reason that we have this remnant, unredeemed flesh is to keep us humble. You know what else? Just think of that when we're saved, we're, we're fully uh, glorified or fully sanctified. You know, how interested would we be in the lost? How much empathy would we have for the lost? But see, I'm still fighting the same battle. I may be at a different transition in the continuum than you are, but I can sympathize with any one of you with the battle you're fighting because I'm still in the battle. See, that's one of the gifts of God, I think, is that we don't get fully delivered from it, is that we have a, I'm freshly fighting battles myself, so when you come to me, I can, that allows me to minister to you and not get full of pride and self-righteousness. So that's the first thing of a mature believer is humility that comes with the realization that we would never arrive this side of heaven. Second point is a mature Christian does not measure himself or herself to other Christians, but they measure themselves with Jesus Christ. You see, that's why Paul could say what Paul was saying. I mean, what if Paul compared himself to other men, even the other apostles in many ways, right? But he never compared himself to others. He compared himself to Jesus Christ. 
And see, so if you're sitting here today and you're, and you're not this or I'm not that or you're comparing yourself to other people, you're missing it. You always find someone you're better than. And what else comes into a lot of Christians is they get this critical spirit in them. They start criticizing others. And as James 4 talks about, you step on others to elevate yourself as you're, as you're talking how much you're better than certain people. Well, here's it. Compare yourself to Christ. You won't be stepping on anybody except yourself because he is perfect, holy, and righteous. That's how you have humility is you look to Jesus. That's why Paul could say, I'm the chief of sinners. He wasn't looking at Barnabas or Mark or anybody else. He was looking at Christ and says, whoa, what a wicked man I am. Do you see that? So that's what a mature believer does. He doesn't, don't waste your time with the horizontal comparison. Compare yourself to Christ. So the third thing here is a mature believer is always motivated by the reality of the gospel in their own life. See, it says here, he says, Jesus made me his own. Paul never forgot the reality of the price that was paid for his salvation. I'll tell you one thing, that is the one that the devil wants to deceive you most on, is for you to forget about the great price that was paid for your salvation. Because that's where the power is. That's where the attitude of gratitude is. That's where you have the desire to talk to lost people. Okay, two more. Four. A mature believer is always conscious of the one thing that is most important in life. No matter, now, let me tell you this. I mean, I know in our lives we have many plans and desires. There's nothing wrong with it. I've got, I'm a planner. I've got plans for my business, plans for my family, plans for the church, plans for my spiritual development, all kinds of plans. But the reality is, over all of that is the one thing. It's Jesus Christ. And I hold everything that I plan and do like this, and, I'm, and I want to make sure that whatever, I'm always available and alert to what Jesus may change or do in these plans. Because it's all, the most important thing is the one thing. It's living for Jesus Christ. That's what a mature believer does. And fifth, the last one here, a mature Christian does not let their past define them. Let me ask you this. Have you ever tried running a race looking backwards? How does that work out? Terrible. What happens? You fall down or you run into a pole or something. I don't know. It wouldn't be good. So the point here is that, if, see, if we focus on the past, we miss the present. If we miss the present, we have no future. So you always have to be focusing on the, your current, the present situation with your eye towards the future. Pressing on to what's ahead is what Paul says here. You can't let the past define you. You know, it doesn't matter what the past is. And you, know, and you may have sinned today already. Confess and truly repent for your sin that you committed today. God says, okay, come on, get back in the game. But don't let some of you guys here and gals are, are dealing with some, some, some difficult past. That's not who you are anymore. You're new creations in Christ. And I'm telling you, in every one of these truths, I'm telling you, this battle exists that the devil's going to come and try to remind you of your past. You can't be a Christian. Look at what you've done in the past. He's going to try to attack you right there. And you know, the one thing, he's going to try to make you focus on the world. As far as the gospel, he wants you to forget it so you have no power. As far as comparing yourself to Christ alone, he'll want you to compare yourself to others. And as far as continuing the race, he's going to want you to give up because he's going to say, hey, there's no end to this battle. Give up. Are you with me? So every one of these, there's a battle going on. Okay, I'm a few minutes over, but it is Father's Day. 
So let me just show you this last verse here. This is what I want you to I hope I, This is my prayer for each one of you. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now this is, this is Paul's last letter to 2 Timothy. This is shortly before he was beheaded. But you see what Paul thought when he got to the end? Yeah, he was hard on himself. He was a driven guy. He was pushing forward. But at the end, he said, you know what? I did it. I made it. I finished the fight. I finished the race, and I kept the faith. I pray that for all of you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're, we're grateful for this, this battlefield of life you've called us to. And uh, Lord, we know it's not easy. And I just pray for each one of these dear brothers and sisters that they fully realize this truth in the depths of their souls by the power of the Holy Spirit and engage in the battle. Don't just be blown around by the wind, but to uh, realize this is something they need to, to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. And Lord, uh, we, I pray for each one of these dear brothers and sisters an encouragement that they would live the victorious life, whatever days they have left, that, that they live it rightly for Jesus, boldly, courageously, faithfully, and they too would be ones that finish the race well. We love you, Lord Jesus. In your precious, precious name we pray. Amen.